You are unique. There's no other person on the planet who is exactly like you. And you were created this way on purpose. The Bible says Jesus came to give us not just life, but life to the full. This podcast is dedicated to helping you learn about who God made you to be and how to live life to the full. We're so glad you stopped by. Welcome to the Uniquely You podcast. I am Emily Honey, and I am here with my co-host and mom, Charlie Glenn. <laughs> we're already laughing because we're having some things that happened beforehand that mom may have started mom has recording. An itchy I trigger. I have an itchy trigger finger. <laughs> yes. I was just saying things and she's like, oh, I hit record. Thank goodness for Carrie Lowe. That's right. Editing capabilities. So you guys don't have to hear the awkwardness of me mid-sentence. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yes. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome. We're glad you're here. We're going to keep talking today about the vices and virtues. We're going to, or past passions and core weaknesses as the vices are also called and how they relate to the Enneagram. Um, so if that doesn't sound like something you are familiar with, go back and listen to last week's episode because we go pretty in depth into what those things are. So that way you're ready to hear how they relate to the Enneagram and, or if you just need a refresher, like, I still don't really remember because they are very deep and kind of complicated. You go back and re-listen to last week's episode and then come jump back in with us. Or if you're ready to go, we're going to do that here in just a second. So, you know, keep listening if you're ready to hear how it relates to each individual number. But first let's talk about good things. Mom, what are good things going on in your life this week? Um, good things are that my bird feeder little house has a lifetime warranty because apparently during the night, one night, I had a raccoon who thought it needed all the seed and proceeded to cause it a lot of problems, destructive problems. You, you had like a camera out the back. <laughs> So you can see what exactly it did. So I just have this really funny mental picture of it like flying through the air off of the fence or something <laughs> to the bird feeder. Uh, I don't know. Seen... It was sitting by a retaining wall. So I think it probably climbed up on it and caused oh, it to fall off. And that's it... less exciting. Yeah. But I don't, and I don't know if it's a raccoon or an opossum, but sure. apparently squirrels sleep when we sleep. So it's not the squirrels that are out in the daytime. Gotcha. So the bird experts at Wild Birds Unlimited told me it was probably a raccoon. Wow, that's awesome. If you live in the Oklahoma City area, visit them for all your wild bird needs. They're not yes. sponsoring this show. I just <laughs> felt yeah. like giving them a little plug. Oh, yeah. It's a really cool store. I'm not going to lie. Well, that is good. So and they've ordered the parts and okay. probably next week my little bird feeder house will be back to normal. Excellent. That's great news. Um, hmm, my good things. This week has been pretty busy for us actually, but it's been nice. There've been a couple of different people I've been able to see this week and help with some things that are going on in their lives. And that's just fun to be able to get like outside of yourself and do some things for other people. So that's been nice. Plus that gave me an excuse to see those people and talk to people in person from a safe distance, of course. So that's been good. Jeremy's uh, started teaching 
today is his first day back at DBU. So I've been helping him get ready for that because I've been teaching online a lot longer than he has. So I can help him with some of that online stuff that he has to do. Because even though it's in person, it has an online element now because, you know, he can only have a certain amount of people in the room at a time. The good thing is I know how to help with that. Jehovah Jireh, God know, provides. Right? All these years of teaching online, they're paying off. I mean, aside from all those paychecks I've already received. <laughs> They've already paid off. <laughs> They've been paid and paid again. All right. Well, let's dive into talking about vices and virtues. And mom, why don't you give us like a really quick recap of what they are so we slash I can remember what they are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the vices are our passions, our core weakness. It's really triggered by our core weakness, our vices are, and it is suffering created by our separation from God, according to Russ Hudson. Each type has something they struggle with to a greater extent than the other numbers do. So we develop coping mechanisms for this fixation because we want to reach our core desires. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, our core desires can only be fully met in Christ Jesus. So as we follow Christ daily through reading the Bible, praying, fasting, and so on, we tend to move toward our virtue. Each number has a specific virtue to a greater extent than the others because it directly relates to the specific suffering they experience due to their separation from God. Got it. So basically, our strongest virtues come as a result of aligning with God right? As we accept him through faith and our connection with God is strengthened. And this helps reveal our suffering from our core weaknesses. Uh, it helps relieve our suffering. Sorry, not reveal, relieve our yeah. suffering. I, I got those words confused in my mind. It helps relieve our suffering right. from our core weaknesses. Um, we may still struggle with those because we do still have sin nature, but it, it helps them not be as intense maybe. Yeah. And so our suffering as a result of our vices can turn sort of into virtue through our faith in Christ. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Great. So that is just crystal clear. Um, let's look at each type's vices, core desires and virtues, and then we can kind of get a better understanding of how that relates specifically to us. Okay. Let's start with the eight. We like to do things in triads. And so generally yeah. with the Enneagram, we start with the top of the circle, which are the eights, nines, and ones. So we're going to start with the eight. The eights are the protective challengers and their passion or vice is lust. Now this lust isn't like, you know, a sexual type of lust. It's a lust for a constant need for intensity, power, and control. Now, the eighth's core desire is to protect themselves. So in reaction to their separation from God, they attempt to reach their core desire of self-protection by themselves. So they, at some point, they felt betrayed or they have been betrayed, and they put behaviors in place to protect themselves from having that happen again. So they do everything in their power to protect themselves and those they love. But they tend to put patterns into place that are not necessarily healthy mm -hmm. to get that core desire, as right. we all do. And we'll yeah. see that as we go through the numbers. The characteristics of an eight before 
transformation through Christ, they can be loud and vengeful, excessive, controlling. I mean, they can be really intimidating. Yes. Yeah. Very. <laughs> Yet deep down inside, they're very soft-hearted and vulnerable, but they come across as very intimidating. They can be rebellious and insensitive, very domineering. That's where probably the intimidation comes from. And they're very self-centered. So it's, it can be when they're unhealthy, <clears throat> really easy to see them as just kind of um, like bulldozers, just rolling over yeah. people. Deuteronomy 31 verse eight is a good reminder for eights. It says, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed because God is the protector that they're longing for and that the world can't give and they can't provide for themselves. Exactly. So when transformation takes place for the eight, they transform to the virtue of innocence. It's like returning to the innocence of a child. In Mark 10, 15, it states, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. When a person yields their life to Christ, they have to come to Christ with the trust of a child. Mm -hmm. And much like a child, they need to continue in that childlike trust as they grow and encounter a life with things that are much bigger than they are things that only God alone can empower them to endure and overcome. Beth McCord of Your Enneagram Coach says that, quote, God invites us to see our vulnerability so we will rely solely on his strength, love, and provision. He asks us to come to him like a child, depending on him to faithfully provide, protect, and nurture us. When we open our tender hearts, we can generously advocate for the weak and powerless. I think she states that very well. Eights really struggle, as we said, with protecting themselves. And once they are transformed and we begin to see their virtue of innocence, they're compassionate, they're inspiring, they're very resilient, loyal, energetic, empowering, protective, and self-confident. Yeah, they're just really amazing people, eights, um, especially when they're healthy because they're just, their tenderness and their strength just mixes together really beautifully in such a wonderful way. The kind of trust that mom was talking about that we, or faith that we need to have being like a child just kind of reminds me of my own kids, because, you know, being a parent, it's easy for me to see that kind of metaphor relationship between God as our father and being a parent. My kids are really physical. <laughs> they like <laughs> to run. They like to jump. They like to throw things. They like to break things, you know, so we try and give them the right outlets to do those things, right? And so they have just a lot of this energy. They're very full force children. Jeremy especially will throw them up in the air or they'll jump off of something to him and they just recklessly abandon any safety when he's around because they trust him to catch them. And right. so how much more will the Lord protect us, then we will protect our own children. 
Thank goodness Jeremy's never dropped one of them. Um, there have been some close calls because um, they don't always warn him when they're about to jump. You know, we may not quite expect it, um, but he's pretty quick reflexive. So he's pretty good at catching them. But, um, you know, he, he is still a person. He could still, you know, miss or drop them or whatever. But God is not fallible like that. He is perfect and he can catch us and protect us fully. I think these are... Yeah. Great reminders for all of us, but especially probably for eights. Right. And I think it's interesting how as a human, Jeremy could accidentally drop them or something and that trust would be broken. But God doesn't ever drop us. He doesn't ever leave us. That's just such a comforting picture of knowing that he's always got us. He's always going to catch us. Or he's really holding on to us when we feel like we're falling. Can you talk about nines? I do, but just... First, I'd like to just insert a comment and scripture. I want to clarify that no matter what our number, once we yield our lives to Christ and our relationship with God is restored, we no longer have to suffer due to the loss of relationship with God because we now have it again. Right. We will, though, suffer as Christ suffered. And Romans 8, 17 says, now if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. The world does not like Christ, and they're not going to like us as Christians. There will be other types of suffering. It just won't be the suffering of the separation of our relationship with God. Just that clarification, clarifier, whatever you want to call it. I don't want to lead anyone to believe that the life of a Christian is carefree. There's no suffering. There's no growing, you know, right. Yeah. Um, We grow through trials. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, if it were super easy and if like, you know, health and wealth, then everyone would be a follower of Christ because we would all be wealthy and life would be easy, but that is not the case. We um, are called to suffer. Okay. We're going to talk about about nines. nines. Because your favorite. Yes. (laughs) Um, Nines are the peaceful mediators, and their passion or vice is sloth. And I don't mean sloth in a lazy way. Uh, Many nines are busy, they're very productive, Mm -hmm. though you may not ever see it or know it because nines will not promote themselves. Yeah. But they accomplish a lot of things. They also just want to do that behind the scenes. Their core desire is to have inner stability and peace of mind. So here's where sloth fits in. It's directly related to their unwillingness to be fully present. They have to put a lot of effort into being awake to themselves, their desires, their needs, and their abilities. And I never realized this until I... Mm -hmm learned the Enneagram and learned about my number. And it was just so spot on, really intimidating at first to know that the motivation for my actions and that I'm not real motivated to know myself. (laughs) Just rather know everybody else. You know, I just want to take care of everyone else. Life's easier that way. Hmm. Russ Hudson says this version of sloth is a kind of shutting down to being the full sense of our inner self numbing ourselves so we can get through things, disengaging from what's going on, yet still being able to function. 
characteristics of nines before transformation through Christ. They can be spaced out, forgetful, stubborn. We are one of the most stubborn of Very the stubborn. nine Enneagram types. <laughs> Thank you so much. Just uh, we can be resigned, passive aggressive, judgmental, and unassertive. And I think that when Russ Hudson says that they're disengaging, it's not necessarily that they aren't part of what's going on. They're just kind of disengaging their own desires, their own wants from what's happening, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's not so much like they're disengaging in that they're withdrawing. They're not withdrawing necessarily. They're just not fully thinking about what they want or how they feel about the situation or whatever to be fully engaged. You know, I would have to say that there are times that I disengage, like withdrawing Withdraw. and coming home and just, you know, not wanting to deal with that out there. Yeah. Whatever it is. Gotcha. So we could be both then. Yeah. We tend to disengage from our inner self. Absolutely. But okay. those of us, like we talked about instinctive subtypes a couple of weeks ago, and those of us, depending on our instinctive subtype, you know, social is my least developed instinctive mm -hmm. subtype. So I'm, I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introvert. And if I may, I may disengage. And so sure. it may just have to do with our subtypes, whether we disengage gotcha. physically from physically something. or not. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good clarification there, mom. Okay. Um, so a good verse for nines is second Timothy one seven. And it says for the spirit God gave us <laughs> does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And it just reminds nines that the Holy Spirit gives them the power to overcome this weakness and that they don't have to exhaust their own energy and resources to live these transformed lives because God can give them the power and resources to do that. Yes. And we need that hope. Right. Because we are kind of low energy people. Well, the transformation through Christ brings nines to their virtue of action and engagement. So as a Christian nine, God calls us to move forward with confident action, fully engaging in life and boldly pursuing our calling, remembering that he is with us and for us. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When a nine is transformed, their characteristics look like this. They are pleasant, peaceful, generous, patient, accepting, diplomatic, open-minded, and empathetic. I would say that is true. I know that um, understanding and accepting that Jesus has a plan for me gives me the inner peace and stability that I really do desire as a nine. Yeah. And, and this is also true. These characteristics, I've seen these in mom as well, very much so that she's just, my dad used to say attracted children and dogs, but really just all people because she's just so pleasant and so accepting and kind and just welcoming of everyone. And um, that's what a healthy nine can be. So it's just a really beautiful thing as well when nines are in a healthy place. So 
yeah, nines can rest in God's peace that passes all understanding. And even when there's yeah. conflict and turmoil around them, which they really don't like because they really want, you know, that peace that's not ruffling feathers or whatever. <laughs> yes. They really just want things to be peaceful. And they can rely on God's strength instead of their own because sometimes, just like mom said, their energy is low. And this just kind of reminds me of a couple of weeks ago, we had a storm and it was like thundering and we we're supposed to get hail. We did get like little hail. And the boys were really concerned about getting, you know, being in the storm. Okay. But, um, so we were able to explain to them, like, we're safe in the house. Like the house can protect us from the storm because, you know, it's not a tornado. It's, <laughs> it's just thunder. It's just lightning. It's just hail and the hail is small. And so the house is keeping us safe. And I feel like it, it was a place that could be peaceful and restful because it was bedtime, even when things were stormy and tumultuous outside. And that's what, nines resting in the Lord is like. They can have this inner peace and this rest, even when things outside of them are tumultuous. Very good picture for nines. We are like that. Why don't we talk about ones now? Okay. Ones are the moral perfectionist. The one's passion is anger or resentment. Ones have um, definitely have resentment based on wanting everything to be perfect and good including themselves. They are the hardest on themselves when it comes to that. They are trying to obtain goodness and perfection when only those things only come through Christ and his perfection. Their core desire is to have integrity, to be good, ethical, moral, and right. And ones, as we've talked about before, have this constant inner critic in their minds that's always telling them what's wrong and making them feel like they're the one who has to fix it. Their characteristics before transformation are perfectionistic, judgmental, inflexible, dogmatic, critical of others, uptight, controlling, anxious, and jealous. Yeah. And it's just really easy for ones to be critical of others as well because they have this inner critic and their desire is not to be critical. Their desire is to make things better because they really are good at improving things. They're also called the improvers. Um, and so they're really good at making things better, but that can, especially if they're unhealthy, come yeah. across as critical. That's really real struggle for ones. So a great first for ones is Second Corinthians twelve nine, and it says, "My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness." Because none of us can be perfect, but God's power is right. perfect in our weakness. And so this is just such a beautiful reminder for ones who want to be right and want to do things perfectly. That um, you know, when they are weak, God is strong. That is so true. Hard. But true. Right. Well, no one's over here saying it's easy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when ones can release the need for perfection with the help of the Holy Spirit, then Mm -hmm. they can begin to experience their virtue, which is serenity. Transformation for the ones brings serenity. And Russ Hudson says that the one heart of serenity is able to be with the situation as it is to be able to accept the conditions I find myself in. And from that, 
I'm able to respond out of love and have a discernment about what is actually needed. Ones have to learn that Jesus is more powerful than their inner voice, this inner critic. In Philippians 4.8, I would suggest for ones that they do this exercise, that they do what this verse says, which is finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. When we, all of us, fill our minds with these things, instead of all the negatives and ugliness surrounding us, then we can experience serenity and mm -hmm. rest in the peace that Jesus brings. Characteristics of a transformed one are they are principled, ethical, reliable, productive, wise, idealistic, conscientious, orderly, and self-disciplined. Yeah. Ones are just fantastic human beings. I love like their ability to be productive just is amazing. I wish I had the energy of a one because I'm also kind of a low energy person. But I think to mom's point about thinking about things like Philippians 4, eight talks about. So when that inner critic starts sounding off and telling you where things could improve, maybe like a specific way you could practice that is to think, okay, but what are good things about this already? Like, yes, we could improve these things, but what are, what are some of the good things about it? Um, because if I were a one, I would probably think ways to improve something were good and noble and right and lovely. But if it's detrimental and that you're being negative about it um, or you're feeling, you know, insufficient or, or what have you, or making others feel insufficient, then I would say, try and think, okay, what are the things that were done right? What are the things that were good enough or done yeah. well here? As it is right now. Right. As it is right that. now right. without changing anything. Exactly. Right. And that's just my perspective. I'm not a one, but I feel like if I was, <laughs> that's my tendency would be to rationalize like, well, I'm trying to make it better. Of course, this is good to think about. Um, well, maybe, maybe not. So, you know, just yeah. think about those things. I could be way off base to so let me know if I am, but I think, you know, that would be my tendency. And like we mentioned before in previous episodes, the inner critic is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not critical. He is a comforter and different than that. It's when the inner critic is stilled, it's easier to hear the Holy Spirit speak. And he's not going to shout usually. It's generally a still small voice that our inner voices tend to drown out sometimes. Like my kids like to tell me, secrets, like to whisper things in my ear. I know I'm using a lot of examples about my kids, but I think that they're good visual analogies. I don't know, maybe not, but my kids like to whisper things in my ear. They're not great at whispering things, but often whenever one of them is trying to tell me a secret, the other one is also trying to tell me something from further away, but like shouting. So I can't hear either of them because they're both just talking so loudly. And it's way easier to hear what one of them is trying to whisper to me if the other one is not shouting at me. And I think this is kind of the same as that inner critic. If we don't have the voice in our head shouting at us, it's easier to hear that soft whisper from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's my two cents. Anything to so add about true. ones? No, they're okay. wonderful people. I'm a little um, jealous of their self-discipline. 
Me you know? too. And it, it is like, I just get things done. Like I can't, I don't know. Like I'm just slower. I wish I was faster. I see Thank times, you. you know, in hindsight in my life where I pulled from my one wing a lot more. Yeah. And there were times when I was extremely self-disciplined. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I think, man, I wish I could get back to that. But that sounds exhausting. <laughs> right. I know. I do feel tired, though, thinking about it. So, yeah. I, I'm working yeah. on some self-discipline in some areas. So yes. there you go. Well, just one thing at a time. Yeah. Why don't we talk about twos now? Twos are these supportive advisors. They're great helpers. Their passion and vice is pride, which really has more to do with them denying their own hurt, neediness, and their human limitations. They don't want people to see that about them. Right. So that's where pride comes in. Their core desire is to be loved, wanted, and appreciated. And a lot of them, when they've entered their adult years, they've brought into it the distorted belief that they'll only be loved and esteemed if they care for others without regard of themselves. Marilyn Vansell states, constructing their lives around this lie is a source of suffering for twos. They expend their energy attempting to recreate God's love and nurture by giving selflessly without boundaries and by dismissing their own needs as irrelevant. They take the words of Jesus that it is better to give than to receive to a new level of self-sacrifice and denial. They just really have a hard time asking for help for themselves. They don't want to be a burden to others. Maybe they're just literally too prideful to let anyone know they have a need because they're so good at meeting everybody else's needs. Right. Yeah. So I would say those of us who are of other numbers we would probably just assume that they're as good at taking care of their needs as they are at taking care of all of ours. Right. But that's really not so. The characteristics of a two before transformation, they can be intrusive. They can be martyr-like, mm -hmm. indirect, manipulative, possessive. They can be flatterers. They can be needy and overly accommodating. As much as we love those helpers, sometimes we don't need their help, but they will manipulate us into taking it anyway or right. flatter us into taking it anyway. Yeah. It can be unhealthy for them as well. Well, that. and it makes sense because if their desires to feel loved, wanted, and appreciated, and they don't, and they can't express their need for that because of you know feeling that they shouldn't. So they're, they've got this right. pride, this right. you know, thing that's keeping them from feeling like it's okay to say that you need some affirmation. Um, it makes sense that these characteristics would come out um, as attempts to get our, their core desires, which is basically what all our negative characteristics can amount to is us trying to meet our core desires. But we can't. We can't do that. These are just coping behaviors, but they... <laughs> are insufficient. We, we all need Christ to meet those core desires. They're not only just insufficient, sometimes they're detrimental to us. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They're more than in, insufficient. They can also be harmful. Like for the two in this instance, 
things like being manipulative or, um, you know, martyr-like or whatever, or intrusive can cause people to push them away rather than give them, love them and (laughs) approve them. Yeah. Um, Well, they would love for them to go away. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, So yeah, they can definitely be detrimental. Great point, mom. Um, So a great verse for twos is Romans 8, 37 through 39, or I guess verses for twos. And it says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So no matter what's happening, if you are a believer, you are loved by the Lord. When a two is transformed, it leads to their virtue of humility. That really comes, the transformation comes from them learning to receive things. Mm-hmm. Those of us who are givers, whether we're twos or not, know that receiving things can be hard. Mm-hmm. Even just compliments, like right, just yeah. small things. They just want to go, oh, you know, yeah. they, they don't want the acknowledgement. Yet they're dying to know they're loved. Right. Marilyn Vansill says they will experience more humility, pure love, and true generosity when they surrender their habitual need to be needed. Humility means admitting their own needs and making room for personal care in their busy lives without feeling guilty. Obviously, somewhere in their past, they've been made to feel guilty or they perceived that they should feel guilty for taking care of themselves. I think a lot of times it's also a shock for a two to realize that much of their giving is motivated by their need for love and esteem. Yeah, I know some twos that tried to deny that when we were first talking about there being twos and the more they thought about it and looked at the characteristics of twos, they really began to understand that it was the motivation behind their helps. So it's really um, a humbling realization when they are able to focus on how much God loves them and trust him to lead them to, pe- to the people he has for them to serve and nurture. And I think I heard this through you, Emily. I'm not sure where I heard it. But they, they, uh, it was Suzanne Stabile said it. Okay, Suzanne Stabile said this. That she is a two. That they need to ask, is this my need to meet before yeah. they meet someone's need? Right. Because God may not want them to meet every need they ever see. So they right. need to evaluate and ask themselves, is this my need to meet? Once they determine that it is their need to meet, a two will be able to serve with love Uh, And love without the need for attention or affirmation or reciprocation because they're doing it on God's behalf and not to get something in return. So characteristics of a transformed two are they are loving and compassionate. They're nurturing and generous, supportive, hospitable, and they're tuned in to how people feel. They're very... They are very kind people. Twos are very kind people. Um, And so they're able to serve and love people really well when they're in healthy space. And it really just kind of reminds me of this might be something that happens in culture at large, but definitely in church culture, sometimes it's hard for us to say no. Like a lot of times 
churches or people in churches or, you know, leaders in churches ask us to serve because they see, you know, our ability or whatever, um, whether we're twos or not. And, you know, doing something, serving in church is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And so it's saying no to these good things that are not ours to do that can be really hard for all of us, but for twos especially, because they can see the good in it. They can see how it would be beneficial in so many ways and how they would be good at serving in those capacities because of they have the skill sets to do those things and they are good at it, but it may not be theirs to do and they may have to say no. And unfortunately, Christians are still humans and sometimes they could be catty and maybe even ruffle some feathers by saying no. But if that's not what God has for you to do, then it's better to not do it and hurt someone's feelings than to do it and be serving in a capacity beyond what God has you to serve. I think the church culture through the years has put unrealistic expectations on people to do certain things and the twos and even the nines get caught up in feeling guilty if they don't meet those expectations. I have a real funny from way back in my past when Byron, your dad was in seminary, he went to preach at a really small church Mm -hmm. north of the San Francisco Bay area. And we went and it was this little church and it had mostly elderly people. And one of the ladies looked at me and she goes, you are going to play the piano, right? (laughs) And I said, no, ma'am, I don't know how to play the piano. (laughs) And then she informed me that it was my job to play the piano as the pastor's wife and I needed to learn. Yeah. So I don't look kindly on people who do that. And in (laughs) my head, I thought, Oh, you just watch me. I do not have to learn how to play. I will never learn to play the piano lady. Stubborn right there. Yeah. But I did. Also, like you were ever going to see her again. You were. I know. I know. But, I but she was trying to teach me as a young pastor. Trying to guilt you. and me. Yeah. But I did take piano lessons while he was in seminary. And, and my teacher, she looked at me one day and she goes, you really don't need to learn to play the piano. You play. <laughs> what? You play so hard that you are going to hurt your hands. She goes. Oh. This is just really not for you. And if you don't want to take piano, you don't have to take it. And I wasn't taking it to use at church. I just was interested in learning. So I I stopped taking lessons. Nice. And uh, she's right. I mean, most of my really close friends know that when I write, I shake the table. Yeah. I do everything so. Does things really hard. Hard. So anyway, that's a funny example. Yeah, that's that's my funny story to go with that. Yeah. Let's talk about threes for a few minutes. Threes are the successful achievers. And I really do have a great love for threes. Their problem, their passion, vice is deceit and vainglory. So deceit is not, I feel like, this is my opinion, Deceit is not so much a premeditated event for them. Right. It's really a result of living with an underlying sadness that they're only loved for what they achieved, not for who they really are on the inside. And Marilyn Vansell points that out in her book, Self to Lose, Self to Find. Their core desires are to be successful, efficient, valuable, and admired. Mm-hmm. 
they want to be someone worth loving. And so they focus on achieving and succeeding. They think they're only worth loving if they're achieving. They're very highly motivated to succeed and they can tend to be workaholics and that can be really detrimental to their family relationships. Yeah. They will focus on tasks and goals instead of on people. And so that can really backfire on them. It can cause them to miss out on the present because they're constantly trying to meet a new goal. Threes rarely stop to celebrate a success because they feel that they're only as good as their last success. So they have mm-hmm. to achieve it, have another success and another right, success. Right. And so they just constantly moving forward to a new goal. The characteristics of a three before transformation, they can be deceptive, self-promoting, pretentious, vain, superficial, exploitative, overly competitive, and workaholics. Yeah. And vainglory is kind of an old word. It's not really something we use a lot, although it does remind me of something from a Homestar Runner, strong, bad email a long time ago. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, it's one of the words we taught the kids vaingloriously. Um, But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) that's what he says. It's fine. Somebody knows what I'm talking about out there. So vainglory means their external persona is more important than their internal world. So they're more concerned with how they look than how things are on the inside. So even though they're in the feeling triad, um, the two, three, twos, threes, and fours, they are feeling repressed. They kind of just put those aside and don't deal with them. Basically like vainglory is like excessive pride in accomplishments in achieving things. Um, and since threes believe they are what they do, this is part of why vainglory is part of their core weakness or right. vice. Great verse for them is Mark, Mark eight thirty six, and just kind of speaks to their intense desire to achieve. It says, says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And so this is just kind of a reminder for threes that this external gain, achievements, accomplishments, et cetera, that those don't determine their value, that it is actually more important to focus on what's inside than on what's outside and that they are already inherently valuable because they're made in the image of God. They don't have to earn that value. It's already there. So their transformation comes when they're able to release their need to appear successful and their virtue is authenticity. The transform three becomes more honest, relaxed, and trusting. Marilyn Bansell says they will seek to be led by God to put their gifts of leadership and vision into action without relying on them for their identity. They will also be able to act on the truth that it's not their responsibility to make things happen. They can (laughs) then trust God to unfold the future according to his will and his plan. And they learn to hold their accomplishments more loosely. They are learning to be grateful, to be used by God for his purposes rather than for their own image. And those are great signs of transformation in a three. Characteristics of a transformed three are optimistic, self-affirming, industrious, efficient, self-propelled, energetic, goal-orienting, and team builders. Threes are 
just like everyone else, fantastic when they're healthy because they are just um, so great at bringing people together and also getting things done and seeing the big picture and all that kind of good stuff. And uh, similar to the twos, kind of when a three is healthy, they can ask God, what is theirs to accomplish? So not necessarily where, what is theirs to do or where it is they should serve, but what is theirs to accomplish? Like, is this a goal that I should try and achieve? And also they can measure success differently. So it doesn't have to be a success that they receive credit for even necessarily when they're healthy. Um, And that's the sign of a really healthy three when they're able to achieve and accomplish something and not receive credit for it, allow God to receive glory for it instead of themselves. And also to be able to rest because threes have trouble resting a lot of times, being able to rest and not constantly be doing But I think we're probably about out of time for today. We've talked about quite a few of our numbers. I'm starting to really stumble over words. So I think this is a good place to break (laughs) from talking. Yeah. 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 All right. Do you have anything else to add about any of our numbers today or about the vices and virtues or? No, I have a lot to add, but that's next week's right. podcast. Right. about all the different numbers we haven't covered yes. yet. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and a comment. We would really appreciate that. It just helps increase our visibility to other people. Also, share these episodes with people if you're enjoying them and if they're encouraging you and, you know, share something on Facebook or Instagram about what you're learning or what you're enjoying using our either hashtag uniquely podcast or tagging us in your post. We would love to see that and to respond to you as well. So you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook and um, just see what we're doing over there. It's not a whole lot because I'm not going to lie. I'm not a huge social media poster, but I do try and post every week to uh, keep everybody engaged a little bit and hopefully bring some thoughtful comments or things. Maybe. Yeah, I think she does a good job because I'm really not a good social uh, yeah, media right. poster. I'm, I'm more of a stalker. <laughs> more of a stalker. Like just look at things instead yeah. of post things, which is totally fine. Yeah. Totally fine. So, and if you want to know more about it, just go to tandem.coach and sign up for that free 30-minute coaching session with mom because she would absolutely love to talk to you. I would. I so, would. All right. Will you wrap us up with praying today, please? I would be very happy to do that. Thanks. Father, we are so uniquely made. And as we continue to study about our uniqueness, our strengths and our weaknesses, we pray that your Holy Spirit will direct our thoughts and our actions and just help us to use this tool in a way that brings you honor and glory. Help us never, Lord, to use it against any of our friends or family members or to cause us to be judgmental toward others and how you've created them, but help us to learn to work together with the others around us. Lord, your scripture tells us that you arrange the body just as you want them to be, the parts of the body of Christ. And I just think that is one of the most encouraging, exciting verses that you put us together in a way that we can help each other grow and encourage each other coming from different perspectives and points of view and how your Holy Spirit works to make us one in you. 
We thank you, Lord, for our time together on this podcast today with all those who are listening. We pray for your blessings on their lives. We pray for support and encouragement for them in these days of COVID and pray that they will truly reach out to you and to their church family locally to gain encouragement and to encourage others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening today, everybody. We love you so much and we'll see you next week.